Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. If you're like me, you spend lots of time poring over maps, looking at weather data, all in an effort to help predict when and where my best times to hunt will be. It'd be nice if there was a reliable source with all this information in one place. Enter the Spartan Forge app. Unlike some other predictive apps on the market, Spartan Forge was created from military combat intelligence experience tailored for hunters and stands at the nexus of machine learning and white-tailed deer hunting. No more man-made algorithms. This is a predictive model based on real GPS collared deer data, historical and predictive weather, and the next level of mapping imagery, all at my fingertips. I've been using the iOS app this season, and it has replaced all my other mapping tools. Visit SpartanForge.ai and sign up today, or head to your iOS or Android app store. Use the promo code TRUTH to save some money and download it today. Mobile hunters, if you're interested in upping your mobile game, then head to tetherednation.com and check out their saddle gear. There are a few things you can actually buy that will help you become a better deer hunter or give you the freedom to hunt any tree or any situation. This is the reason why I started saddle hunting in the first place and why I use Tethered's gear. I can honestly say that Tethered's saddle gear has changed how I hunt for the better. Big tree, little tree, from the ground, it doesn't matter. I'm untethered by my gear to hunt the best setup for the situation, instead of hunting for a tree that my gear can use. My current core setup consists of the Phantom Saddle, Tethered One Sticks, and the Predator Platform, along with an assortment of their accessories. So if you want to up your mobile game, head over to tetherednation.com. Welcome to the Truth From The Stand Deer Hunting Podcast brought to you by Spartan Forge. I'm your host, Clint Campbell, and you're listening to episode number 314. Today, I'm joined by my good buddy, Nathan Killen, and we are talking about sometimes you get what you need and not always what you want. So stay tuned. What is up, everyone? Happy Wednesday to you. Hope you're doing well. Hope you are feeling fine. And uh, if you are out tromping through the woods for the PA rifle season, hopefully you got your tag filled. Uh, season has come to a close. And uh, now we are staring 
squarely at at late season. I think there's roughly two weeks. I think off. I'm always bad with like how many days there is, but essentially, uh, late season here in PA statewide will come in um, right there after Christmas. I think it's like the 26th. I want to say uh, 26th. I think is the first day. I have to. I have to. Um, Turn to my online or the the book, if you will, as we like to call it. PA. Turn to the book and see what the uh, exact date uh, exact dates are. But uh, hopefully, some of you guys found success out there. I was actually out for the last day uh, in the evening, uh, hunting a little spot that's kind of overlooked. In uh, I usually don't spend a whole lot of time in this particular area, but uh, as I was kind of making my way through, uh, I was hunting with my bow, of course. And it's a little kind of out of the way spot that. Uh, it's it's kind of thick and, and it's one of those places where it seems like it would be a good place for deer to go, kind of go hold up um, and get lost during gun season. And truth be told, the other times I've been in there, I've never hung a camera in, in this area uh, just in general because it's usually I, I basically kind of go to it during gun season and that's about and that's about it. Um, and I typically don't see a whole lot of sign in there. But yesterday as I was kind of walking in, there were a bunch of rubs in there. And now I feel like I'm going to need to hang some cameras uh, in this general area just to see what is, um, what's going on. Cause it might be a little overlooked, uh, gem even for, you know, that October, maybe even September, September timeframe. It actually is one of the closest areas the, that I hunt that would be the closest to food. Now it's not adjacent to, but it would be relatively, uh, close to some, uh, not huge agriculture, but a little bit of, a little bit of agriculture. So I might be able to make a play on that. So that's in my mental Rolodex for, uh, next off season or this off season already just to kind of check that out. And it also looks like a place that you might find some sheds. Um, so I think we're going to spend a little bit more time in there with the pup and, uh, put him on the case and see if he can't come up with a, uh, with a shed or two. But with that, we're fast approaching Christmas. Hopefully everyone got the Christmas shopping done. If you haven't finished up your shopping, if there's hunters that you need to buy for, Make sure you support the uh, the guys who uh, the guys and gals that support this podcast. So the the folks from Tethered, the folks from uh, Spartan Forge, the folks from from Exodus, and don't forget if you're local, uh, head over to uh, Bob and AJ Shop. That's my local archery shop. It's where I go, you know, get tuned, uh, get my bow tuned, get dialed up. It's usually where you know I always get my bows uh, from those guys. Um, so be sure you pay those guys a visit if you're in the general area um, and uh, tell them I sent you over to. To bother, uh, to bother them, if you will. Also, if you haven't checked out the new Spartan Forge stuff that's been coming out, they've been slaying it uh, lately with a bunch of new updates to, to the app. The newest thing was the uh, the slope angle feature, which is awesome. Um, you know, in, they have the 3D model, modeling that ha- that occurs now as well on desktop and on the uh, the phone app. And I've already kind of used it and put it on the case of finding some, one, some easier access into places and some for some of the northern piece that I've, that I hunt that's super steep. I started using uh, the slope, if for nothing else, just to find a little bit easier kind of pathways into some of the places that I want to scout and hunt, as opposed to just kind of going straight up kind of vertical faces and um, and stuff like that. And it also makes, I started using it too, just to kind of dial into like low lying spots that would make travel easier for for deer that I might have overlooked. And there's, and, and there's some areas that I had scouted that the slope angle feature kind of made pop out to me of places that I've actually missed um, while scouting that like, Hey, this is probably where they're going to travel most often because um, it's just a little bit easier of a path of uh, path of resistance. And I've just kind of never stumbled onto it while I was, uh, while I was scouting. So I've kind of earmarked those places to go back. I'm actually going to hunt a lot up there in late season. Um, and so this is coming real handy and timely for me 
to one, map out a little bit easier access, and two, have some places that I haven't been to yet that I think might be um, some decent spots to either throw hunts at or at least check to see if you're spending time in those um, in those areas that might be worthy of a camera for this offseason or maybe a hunt for the fall or whatever, just depending on what how that kind of lays out, you know, what time of year it might be best to kind of um, to kind of hunt. So, but with that, uh, so be sure to check out uh, Spartan Forge apps, so SpartanForge.ai, and then, you know, whatever phone you might be using, whatever app store you use for your apps. Um, but today we're going to just kind of get jumped into today's episode. I got a cool guest on for you guys today. He's a second time offender. You guys know him. You love him. Nathan Killen. Um, super good dude. He's actually one of my favorite people in, in the hunting space to kind of uh, talk to, not just because the dude is, is a killer and he does it with traditional equipment. That's all kind of known. But I think one of the things I most appreciate about him is just kind of his attitude toward hunting and his appreciation for adventure and his just appreciation for the experiences of hunting tag filled or no tag filled. Um, it seems like regardless of that, now he wants to fill tags of course. Um, but it seems regardless of whether he's filling a tag or whether the tag is being filled on a caliber of deer that he was intending, intending it for, regardless of those things, he always has an appreciation for the experience. And it seems like his season is always going well. Um, no matter when I talk to him, you know, what his status is as tag filled, unfilled, whatever the case is. Um, he always just seems to be having a good season because he has the right perspective. And he made a timely post this fall it was really what kind of spawned this episode because it happened right as I was getting ready to leave for Kansas. And uh, he made a post that it was just kind of one of those things where sometimes, you know, you get a right piece of information at the right time to kind of recalibrate or reset like your mental focus or like how you're thinking about things. And that was one of those things for me that I saw it and I was like, man, I'm, I'm focusing on all the wrong stuff. And it really kind of changed my perspective on the rest, uh, on the rest of my season to be, um, to be, to be quite honest. And that's a lot of what we talk about today is that, and that's why we kind of in the intro kind of mentioned, you know, you, you know, you, uh, sometimes you get what you need and not, and not always what you want. I think the Rolling Stones, uh, had a song about that, which was, uh, <laughs> a great song. And I think Nathan kind of used that kind of same idea, uh, for his season this year and framed his season in a, in a positive way. And he had a great season regardless, however you want, however you want to frame it. So with that, we're going to go ahead and just jump into today's show and have a chat with my good buddy, Nathan Killen. I hope that you guys enjoy the conversation as much as I did. And as always, thank you all for listening. All right, folks, welcome back to another episode of the Truth from the Stand Deer Hunting Podcast. And today I got my buddy on. He's a two-time offender. There's no jail time associated with that, buddy. So you are in the, you are in the clear for that. Uh, but I got my friend on, Mr. Nathan Killen. What's going on, buddy? Oh, just uh, enjoying the evening. I uh, just got off of work and had a little bit of supper and Ready to talk some deer hunting, so that's right, man. I uh, I had yeah. me some supper too. Actually, I had uh, I had some venison chili from the from the doe that I that I killed on uh, Thanksgiving morning. Awesome, yeah. yeah. So it, it could have been a little fresher, you know. But you had had Thanksgiving dinner that day. It wasn't back straps for Thanksgiving. We did the, the normal Thanksgiving thing. So oh yeah, ham and turkey. That's right. That's right. But you know, we got it in a couple of days later, so it was uh. It was good, and I had a lot to be thankful for that day. Not just the normal stuff, but man, you know, it was uh, things work in mysterious ways. It was having a rough season. That doe presented an opportunity, and I was like, you know what? I'm not going to look a gift horse in the mouth. I'm going to go ahead and take advantage of it. I, I tell you, I think that uh, most of us have uh, been experiencing a uh, tough season this year. It, everybody I talk to, uh, no matter where they've hunted, it's it's been pretty tough for them. So yeah i think uh you're not alone with that yeah i've i've kind of heard that too you know not just from you know our buddies that are in ohio i'm sure you 
you've heard this as well, but have had some struggles with some EHD. I had Jake Bush on, and he talked about that, you know, that he's obviously a guy who usually has a handful of deer, and it's, you know, October 5th, you're like, all right, about time for Jake Bush to make a post of a big deer he's killed, <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, um, yeah. You know, but he's he's had a tough, a tough go of it. And it was kind of cool talking to him because, you know, one thing we kind of talked about was just less about the doldrums of how tough the season was, but the silver lining that it's kind of provided him um, as far as, you know, really kind of doing a lot more scouting than he scouts a lot just in general, but, you know, doing even more than he typically would. And it's going to pay dividends in the long run. And so, you know, he's trying to find a positive out of a, out of a bad situation. And I think being able to have that mindset a lot of times when you're going through the grind of a season is, uh, man, it's almost as valuable as the tag in your pocket in a lot of, in a, in a lot of ways. What do you think? Oh yeah, for sure. And you know, one thing that we need to uh, look at is, you know, just the adventure aspect of it, you know, to, uh, you know, most of the time we base our seasons off of uh, field tags as far as, you know, how successful they were, but uh, really and truly, you know, especially being bow hunters and stuff like that, you know, we, we need to look at the adventure aspect of it uh, as much as a field tag, uh, if not more, you know, because, Really and truly, you know, just being out there and uh, enjoying God's creation and, uh, uh, you know, just living in a free country to where we can do stuff like that, you know, how important that is. So, yeah. uh, you know, it, it's more than just field tags. Yeah, yeah. I try to always, you know, when things are going bad, I try to always remind myself that there's a lot of people out there that wish they had my problems. That's exactly right. You know, <laughs> um, and uh, I try to have that that perspective, and I try to just take a, a moment when I'm in a tree or, you know, Kansas or if I'm in Idaho or whatever, wherever I'm hunting, you know, especially those mornings where you watch the sunrise and you're like, you're just like, man, I can't imagine, like, you couldn't find a painting or a picture to to be That's more right. majestic, you know what I mean? And I'm like, and I'm watching it. I'm, I'm, I'm actually here living it, you know? And uh, it just kind of has a way of kind of, you know, providing some perspective and I'm not a morning. Well, I'm a morning guy. Like I like to get up in the morning and work out, but like morning hunts and I love morning hunts are like my favorite, but man, sometimes the struggle bus is real when that alarm goes off. <laughs> I agree. You know, <laughs> but I always say, you know, it's like I, especially on days off, like Thanksgiving morning, I got up and that's like, that's a nice day to like sleep in and just be lazy. Like the, the house already smells like food because the turkey started roasting like the night before or whatever, you know, and all the prep. It's just a nice morning to kind of sleep in, and, and uh, my alarm went off, you know, Thanksgiving morning, and I was like, for a second, I was like, oh, man, do I want to do this? Because I also had, like, a kayak trip in, and you know, in the cold and stuff like that that morning, and uh, once I got in the tree, it was one of those things where I was like, man, I, I hate waking up on my day, early on my days off, but, man, I never, you know, never once have I re uh, regretted it, you know? Oh, yeah. Yeah, uh, like you said, you know, early morning hunts, you know, getting up early and stuff is it's hard, but really the hard part is just getting, uh, making that first step. That's right. Once you get out and get a shower, you know, get, uh, freshened up and actually hit the road or, uh, or whatever, you know, heading to where you're going, uh, you get woke up and, and you're ready to, to face it. So, uh, yeah, that's right. It's, uh, you know, it doesn't hurt when you get like a boot full of water first thing, whenever you're putting your kayak, in. Oh, that, man. That, that'll wake you up in like 25 degree that. weather. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I've done that. Not stepping into a kayak, but going across the creek. Yeah, that's uh, that's, that's not right. fun. Yeah, after I after I killed that doe, I uh, 
you know, I was just trying to get out of there because it was these Thanksgiving. So I'm trying to get home. Cause I'm like, all right, I gotta, I gotta peel this thing and try to, you know, have supper with the family for, for Thanksgiving and stuff. So I'm looking at my watch and I'm like, all right, I gotta get going. And I got her all like strung up in the kayak and stuff. And, uh, and I'm, and like where she was at, it was actually perfect. Cause she actually, you know, she died where I ended up field dressing her. was like close to the water to where I was actually able to just oh, drop. Wow. All, yeah. I was able to just drop all my stuff, walk, to get my kayak and bring my kayak down, just throw her on. So there was no dragon involved for that. Yeah. And, uh, and I was trying to get out of there quick and I stepped up, I stepped in, you know, cause I always wear waders in cause sometimes depending on how low water might be in the swampy area or whatever, I might have to pull the, the kayak a, a distance or whatever. And, uh, I was just trying to get out of there and I stepped in up over my boots and filled both boots up <laughs> on my <laughs> way out. But it was one of those things. I just kind of smiled and laughed. Cause I was like, Hey, you know what? I'm headed home. I got a deer in the kayak. It's Thanksgiving. I was like, I'll take wet feet, man. I don't care. That's exactly right. You're playing. That's right. You know, it's like yeah. I'll pay. I'll pay that small price. You know. Yes, sir. Man, how much? Uh, how much hunting do you have? Uh, have left this season? I know you filled. I know you filled two tags, right? Yes. So, yeah, I filled one tag in Ohio and uh, one in here in my home state, which I've got one more buck tag. Okay. That I can use uh, west of the Blue Ridge here in Virginia. Okay. And uh our season goes out the first Saturday in uh January normally. So uh Okay. And actually uh, my favorite part of the season is actually coming up. Really? Uh, yes, November uh surprisingly is tough in the mountains. Uh cuz we just don't see the rut uh like um you know some of these midwestern places mm-hmm. uh see. You know, I I'm on Instagram a lot, you know, seeing other people's posts and stuff, and, and they're talking about, you know, seeing all these bucks running does and chasing does and bucks cruising and stuff like that. And uh, in our mountains, it can be a ghost town during the rut. Mm-hmm. And uh, the reason behind that is because our buck-to-doe ratio is just so far out of whack that uh, bucks have to do nothing to get with the doe, you mm-hmm. know. And so... The majority of November, which is traditionally, you know, uh, the really good uh, uh, rut hunting, is uh, very, very slow for us. And then once the bucks start running out of uh, does, then they start getting uh, a lot more visible, especially the bigger ones from about Thanksgiving on through the first week of uh, December. So Hmm. That's interesting. Like, do they, are they still kind of looking around for does or are they more settling into to you know more of their late season kind of habits no not not yet uh, they're still looking for does at that point hmm. uh scrapes actually uh, like right now you know they'll start ramping uh, back up uh you know actually more so than they have been in the past two or three weeks and uh so wow are you is that relative to maybe like that second peak breeding date that hits sometime like depending on where you're at i know for me i think that second peak breeding date i want to say is like december 13th or 14th roughly which would be yeah i'm sorry go ahead uh yeah you know it does but seems like it's a little bit uh you see bucks uh out cruising and uh roaming around a whole lot more actually right before that point Hmm. so um interesting the uh so, so what's your, I know with the last time you and I talked, we, you know, we kind of talked more probably around, you know, rut, you know, more of that October timeframe. So what's your, like, what's, I guess, what's your approach to this time of time of year? And I asked kind of selfishly because I've been hunting and I've talked to you about this a little bit in the past and text messages and stuff like that with that North piece, big woods piece that I've been kind of 
trying to figure out and I hunted it a couple times this year, saw a couple deer, saw a buck. Um, and I'm actually, I still have a PA tag cause I had one really good encounter in PA on like the 18th of October and really haven't <clears throat> seen anything, you know, a field or on camera beyond that. And, uh, I don't want to waste sits, you know, hoping. So I know I have good bucks up in that North piece. And so I'm just going to kind of go up there and spend my, um, December and January or half of January. Cause I think our season's up until the middle of January up there. And I'm yeah. just going to basically spend most of my hunting time you know, bow hunting up there in the, in the late season. And, you know, it's not, I don't want to say it's low deer density, but it's just very pocketed, like where they just kind of live in certain areas. So I'm kind of selfishly asking like, what, how do you approach this time of year any differently than you would say October or, you know, November for you? Well, uh, not really much different than, uh, uh, November because, uh, you know, I'm still going to be concentrating on the major terrain features, you know, that's going to funnel uh, any cruising buck. And, and I would want the, those type of terrain features to have, you know, some scrapes and, and stuff like that. You know, normal rutting type uh, sign that you would see. Mm-hmm. And uh, but I would focus on those. And like you said, you know, our deer are in pockets, too, mm-hmm. uh, here. So, you know, like right now, you know, the leaves have all fell about a month ago. So... By this point, heavy feeding sign is going to be accumulating a lot. So, uh, you know, hunting uh, the fringes of those type of areas would be really good, especially within if those type of areas are uh, within uh, a known buck's home range, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, so if you haven't seen him, uh, you know, during the season, then uh, that's a great time to actually catch him uh, in daylight hours, you know, during that time, you know, coming through those type of spots. And you never know. Uh, a lot of big bucks from other areas, you know, they, they roam uh, greater distances during this time uh, period. So, you know, you'll have bucks that you never even knew existed show up during this time of year. So. Right. Now, do you find whenever you maybe have a, a wayward buck that's just kind of showing up, do you find typically he's going to use the same areas that you, that you maybe have uh, seen other kind of tar- deer that you've targeted use? So like, for oh, example, yeah. The- yeah. They know uh, where to go. Uh, the people underestimate uh, the knowledge that a big buck has of all the areas around. I mean, especially if he's five, six, seven, eight year old. You know, he's been there and lived there long enough, even if it's not within his core area, that he already knows where to go to. You know, right? And it, it's funny uh, how, uh, um, and and you know how they use like their uh, uh, smell. A sense of smell that that I think bucks use that more than we even realize that they do, especially for locating does and stuff. Um, yeah. So, I, I mean, I witnessed that this year in that that encounter that I had because I was set up on a uh, primary scrape, and you know this I had a picture of this deer. Um, in hindsight, I knew I had a picture of him because he came in and he bedded forty yards from me. And I didn't realize either. I saw one shooter come in in, in the morning around 8.30. This is October 18th. And he came in and he was, and I saw him and I was like, oh, that's a good buck shooter, you know. And I couldn't tell if I had a picture of that deer or not, but I could see, you know, enough of his frame and stuff. I was like, you know, if I get a shot, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to shoot him. And he was, you know, 40 yards away in this little bit of brush. And he was just kind of hanging out in there. And then all of a sudden he just like took off. Like, yep. Didn't run, but like he wasn't wasting any time leaving, you know, and then 
I was kind of scanning and watching because I thought that was kind of odd and didn't see anything and, you know, ended up kind of looking back over to my right and just kind of, you know, doing your normal, normal scanning. Well, I don't know how much time goes by, but I'm looking and I'm like, man, I'm like, that looks like an antler over there. Like, and there's just like, you know, anyone who hunts thick areas knows, knows, has experienced this. There's like one hole that's like two foot, maybe three foot wide through the brush. You can actually see the ground, (laughs) you know what I mean? Like 40 yards away. And there's a down log that's right there. And like through that little hole, I could see what I thought looked like an antler. And I'm like, and Nathan, I'm like the worst shed hunter on the planet. So I can't pick out antlers to save my life. So I was, <laughs> I was convinced it wasn't an antler. You know what I mean? I'm like, ah, it's not an antler. And then I was like, well, I should probably throw the glass on it just to make sure. So I throw the glass on it and I'm like, man, that does look like an antler. And I was like, man, that's pretty realistic looking. And then all of a sudden it moved. I was like, oh man. And then I saw this frame, you know, and that buck bedded there for two hours. 40 yards away. I just watched him and the way the wind was working and it was cool to watch it because, you know, I I like just being around deer when they don't know that I'm there for obvious reasons when you're hunting, but more so because I like to just watch and see how they react to things Yeah, and and just observe a mature deer. Cause I knew what, after I got a good look at his rack through the binos, I knew what deer it was because I had one picture of him only. And it was like late September. That was it. The only time I ever got a picture of him. But he had a very like uh, specific antler characteristic that told me it was him. And, and I just watched him. And so when I knew which deer it was, I knew he was like a four and a half year old deer. You know what I mean? Uh, for this area, that's, that's about as mature as you might get for the, like, the suburban area that I hunt around my, around my home. Yeah. And, uh, and so then I started thinking about like, well, why is he bedding there? Well, then I knew why that other buck left because he came in. He's the bully. Yeah. And, and I'm like, why is he just bedding there? And then I'm like dropping milkweed and I'm playing, watching the wind. And I knew what wind I had. And that's why I set up where I set up. But I was like, man, I was like, get out of here. I was like, he's laying right where he can smell that scrape. I was like, and he will know if a doe comes from the other direction to, to hit that scrape or walk through. Yeah. I was like, he's basically able to scent check. However, I don't even know how far a deer can smell, but however, whatever that distance is, he can smell all of that to the northeast. That's exactly right. You, you know, the, I feel like that they can uh, scent check an area, and, and it, you know, it's going to change as far as uh, the area, uh, the conditions, and uh, what have you. But you know, the, I think that they could scent check an area and know whether they was a doe within a few hundred yards, and maybe as far out as a quarter of a mile or so. Mm-hmm. And and see, that is one thing that makes it so hard to set up and actually see these mature bucks because when we set up, we set up to hunt deer. Mm-hmm. When they're scent checking areas looking for does, the, the most um, uh, efficient way for them to do it is to uh, scent check a whole area from certain spots, you know, mm-hmm. and, and, and that the, our job is to lo- try to locate those type of spots, mm-hmm. you know, but but generally those type of spots are uh, one hard to identify. Sometimes you just got to see the buck doing it, and two, there's not going to be that much deer sign in those type of spots. Generally, there isn't. There's literally that yeah. one community scrape, and it's adjacent to doe bedding, which is why I like it, right? Yeah. But like it, it, your your words were ringing true in my ear ears because I've been since you and I've kind of become friends and we've, and we've talked and texted and I've had you on the podcast in the past. Like there's one thing that stood out to me that you do. And Ryan Glitzky does this too. Um, you know, he's a good, but I know he's a mutual friend of ours. 
Oh yeah. Um, and, and it's, you know, I know that you hunt off a sign a lot, like the, where you don't set up on it, you know what I mean? Yeah. And I understood it in principle, you know what I mean? But it's hard. Like you said, it's hard for people to walk away from that big sign when you see it, you know what I mean? It's, yeah. it, you want to set up there because you're like, he's he or she or whatever it is has been here. Right. But watching that deer do that, that conversation that you and I've had just came like rushing back to me because I was yeah. like, bingo, there it is. I was like, if I was set up 40 yards away in that little bit of brush cover there, that's actually where he wants to be because he's safe. That's the spot within the spot. You know, and the second thing that it told me was um, trail cameras are a powerful tool, but that deer coming there and bedding there told me he's been in there a whole lot more than the trail, yeah. than the trail camera has told me because he's not that comfortable just to come lay down in the middle of the day and just spend a couple hours there if it's not a spot that he's, that he's frequenting. Yeah. You know, and so that was the other thing that it told me is that like, man, if you only get one picture of a deer in an area, right. And it's got the right stuff. He's there a whole lot more than that, than that truck camera has told you. Yes. Yeah. And, and just, you know, we, uh, I know you do this uh, same thing and I know Chad does this same thing. 90% of us do this same thing, but we use trail cameras over scrapes to try to get inventory of what bucks is around. Mm -hmm. Well, I can tell you that you're not, you're only getting a, a, a portion of the bucks that's uh, in there because a lot of these older mature bucks, they won't come to those scrapes all the time. And you know, that they're circling downwind uh of those type of places i've seen it you know with my own eyes you know i've seen bucks you know that i know that live there i've had my cameras on these big scrapes that i've that in my mind that any buck in the area is going to come through and visit that scrape and i'm going to get his picture well i've witnessed with my own eyes bucks coming through that i never had a picture of on that scrape mm -hmm. but yet they're circling around below that scrape and and and, and those are the type of bucks that i talk about that's uh um, has the uh, hermit type personality, you know, they're not a very social deer, mm -hmm. but but yet, you know, they're still able to socialize with other deer, just not, um, they don't have to be as personable about it, if that makes sense. You know, they can, they can do it from a distance. Right, right. Man, you're getting me fired up for this North Peace, man, because <laughs> I'm going to send you some pictures of this deer when we're done here, because he is a bully. And a loner. I've not very often seen him with other deer, even in the summer. Yeah. And I've had two years of trail camera pictures of him and finally got a spot where I started getting him a little bit in daylight. And that's, he's like the, the, the buck I want to try to hunt in this, in this big, uh, this big woods piece. Cause I, I feel like I've started getting a few of his tells. Um, and now I'm just going to, I just got to put boots to the ground and just try to find where he's spending time here as, as the, the rut, at least for my area, has has wound down. Yeah. But do you? So I'm not sure what the temperature gets to around this time of year year for you, where you're hunting. Like, what's the average temperature range for you? When it has been warmer this year, uh, and I think everybody's experienced that everywhere. Yeah. Uh, but you know, normal overnight lows, you know, is going to be in the twenties, uh, and then daytime highs, you know, forties to fifties. Right. Okay. So, uh, and you know, during cold spells, it'll drop down into the teens at night. And, mm -hmm. uh, you know, we have good cold fronts come through. Sometimes it, you know, won't get above freezing. So, right. Uh, during so when you get a little bit past like that, this kind of 
time frame, let's say like more late season, if you will. Mm-hmm. Like, do you do you start to flip and like focus more on south facing slopes more so than than anything else to try to play that like the harsh weather conditions, or do you kind of stay more true to like just your approach in general that you have just normally? Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Just normally, uh, because, you know, obviously food is going to be, uh, you know, once we get past the, you know, uh, middle of, the month, you know, December, mm-hmm. uh, you know, then these heavy feeding spots is where, uh, you know, I'm going to spend some time. But now I tell you, hunting the heavy feeding sun spots is not always the best place to, uh, to hunt for a, a big deer. And the reason I say that is because my shed hunting, you know, mm-hmm. uh, shed season is getting ready to come in. And I can tell you from experience hunting places. Now I'm talking about, years that we have good acorn crops okay because mm-hmm. now there is a difference between years that we have good acorn crops and when uh, we don't have a good acorn crop years that we have good acorn crops the places that you see really tilled up is 99 percent of the time uh these doe groups coming in and and it's you know three four five six eight nine ten however many deer uh, you know is tearing these places up i never hardly ever find sheds in those type of places the places that i find sheds in are in these little hollows down off you know backed off away from those places closer to cover you'll see where it looks like one or two deer have been you know feeding around that's where you generally find your bigger antlers Hmm. so so that tells me that you know if you hunt the heavy feeding sign then you're not in the right type of spots most of the time Hmm. Now, uh, on years that we don't have a heavy uh, uh, crop of acorns, the deer are, uh, if there's um, grassy type fields uh, close by, then all the deer are going to be forced to uh, use those type of areas. And that is where you want to you know, do your shed hunting and late season, you know, hunting. But right. generally, you, you know, you're not going to see a buck in, in open type country like that. So right. Not daylight hours. That's interesting because this year for me around here has been, that was one of the, my biggest challenges this year was, you know, I've spent, you know, however many past several years, you know, to all the places that were new to me, you know, whenever I was doing all my scouting post seasons, in season, whatever it was, I was marking, you know, all the, the feed trees essentially, Yeah. you know, that way I would know, you know, that I'd go back through in September and check them, you know, and see, you know, or even during the summer I'm hanging trail cameras, just using binos to see what's holding, holding any you know, holding any acorns or whatever. And, um, this year I checked every single spot that I had marked and there wasn't a single tree drop, yeah. you know, and it just, mm-hmm. and that was the other thing that kind of threw me for a loop. Cause it actually, uh, I don't want to say it messed up, but it changed the behavior around these community scrapes that I had found. And what I had realized was that some of these community scrapes, because I've prioritized ones that are more so related to being adjacent to doe bedding, well, that doe bedding had shifted because the reason that doe bedding was used so heavily was because it was so close to those feed trees. Yeah. You know, and so it kind of threw everything out of whack. So as long as I have acorns, you know, or I have some, some mass dropping, like I, then those are always going to be good and in play. But like my, 
inventory in and around those community scrapes was way down this year based yeah. on that. Yeah. The, uh, up in uh, Southern Ohio, and, and you know where I'm talking about. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I was up there uh, this past winter uh, shed hunting and scouting, and I found the most impressive scrape that I've ever seen. Really? I mean, you could park a car in this scrape. It was under a uh, beech tree. And that the, they had the area dished out. They was like two scrapes right there that actually turned into one. But you could distinctly t- see the two scrapes. And both of those scrapes were where they had been used so much by so many bucks, they were kind of dished out like a car hood, wow. you know, in, in two places. And the, the uh, overhead uh, limbs of that beech tree was just wore out, you know, mm-hmm. and I was so excited to put a camera on that. So before spring green up, I had a camera over that. And do you know, up to this point, I have had like three or four bucks since then visit that scrape. <laughs> and it's not been kicked out at all. Wow. And it was that was that scrape you think all kind of based off of the, the food that was surrounding it? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. for sure. Yeah. Yeah, it's crazy, man. How some of those, you know, small things will just make all the, all the difference. You know? Yeah, it's uh, cause that was the that was the kick in the pants that I got this year, and it was just so I was kind of basically starting from zero, you know, because I was like, well, I can't spend any time at these spots because I don't think they're worth anything. So now I got to just put boots in the ground, and that's basically what I did. I just walked and found some other spots, you know, that will, you know, might help me, in, you know, in the years going forward. Yeah, um, but it certainly made for. Uh, for a uh, for a hard season but uh yeah man i want to i want to switch gears here and i want to you know what the main reason i wanted to chat with you today you know was you made a post right after you killed that buck in ohio and i want to talk about that hunt that um when i saw it i want to say if i'm remembering the date correctly i want to say it was like October 30th, I think is when you made the post. I don't remember exactly when you killed the deer. Did you kill the deer on the 30th or was it prior to that? Uh, it was the 29th or 30th, okay. somewhere okay. right today, yeah. Yeah, so I saw that post and it was, selfishly, it was one of those things that was, it was the, the it was, it was the words I needed to see at, the exact words I needed to see at the exact right time, you know, because I was getting my, my pants kicked in, kicked off me, essentially, you know, for yeah. the, for the season. And that's one of the reasons why I love following you throughout the season because it you know it's good to have i think buddies in your corner who can help help you gain perspective and i always get that from you you know and i know that you always kind of have the right approach the right attitude the right mental kind of makeup and i think having people like that to watch and learn from you know at least for me is is refreshing so i'm always curious man your your ability to be in the moment with humility is something that you know I hope that one day I can better, you know, do a better job of and, and, and emulate, um, you know, and I know you're, you're a man of faith and I'm just, I'm just curious if like, is this something, you know, that ability to kind of be in the moment and be humble, did this, did this, does this just kind of come to you or is this something that, you know, as you've gotten older, it's become more of a, like a, a more of a, a salient point of your hunts. I'm just curious, like how you, you know, what, how you were able to manifest that essentially. Well, I don't know. I've kind of been, you know, um, I guess like that all my life. I've been, I've, you know, I'm a very humble person and I don't, I don't purposely be humble. I think everybody should purposely try to be humble, 
it's just my nature. Mm-hmm. Uh, I can't help but be that way, you know, and uh, it, I'm just the type of person that um, I don't want to hurt anybody's feelings. Um, mm-hmm. I try to um, I try to look at things from other people's perspective uh, before I jump to conclusions or, or judge things, I, mm-hmm. you know. So I guess that helps me out there. But, you know, we'll talk about that specific post and, and we're going to rewind to uh, the 1st of uh, October. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, I went to North Dakota and uh, hunted for a week up there. Uh, me and my girls went up there. It was an absolutely fantastic trip. I mean, you know, we were very close to the Canadian border. Uh, we drove up the Canadian border, looked across, and uh, we didn't actually go into Canada, but it's exciting to be able to look across the, you know, yeah. uh, the border there and see Canada, which it looks just the same, uh, you know, on, the, <laughs> right. on our side. But, you know, I've got a buddy that recommended uh, me to uh, hunt there. Uh, he's, uh, you know, we was talking one day, he said, uh, "What, uh, you know, what's your favorite hunt or something like that? And I said, I would love to go on a Canadian whitetail hunt. I said, just that the setting there would have to be, you know, just awesome. And yeah. plus those just giant, uh, Canadian whitetails. And he said, well, you need to go to North Dakota. So I, I made that trip. It was worth it, but I seen less than, uh, 10 or 11 deer the whole trip I was there. And I seen one little old bitty buck, <laughs> you know? So, you know, that kind of, um, um, I don't know, kind of put a damper on me because, you know, I was hoping to go up there and at least see, you know, something. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, uh, you know, the temperatures were, you know, 30 degrees hotter and, you know, for Northern whitetails, you know, that's, that's a, you know, that can put a damper on any, uh, whitetail, you know, movement, no matter where you hunt, if the, uh, temperatures that much hotter than what they normally would be. But, you know, it was still a great hunt. I went up there. I, I have, you know, I, I, I've never hunted elk. But while I was there, I got to hear uh, bull elk bugle two different mornings. Oh, that's cool. I, I got to, you know, I seen uh, more uh, elk sign than I did actually deer sign, you know, and <laughs> I seen some moose tracks and stuff like that. But anyway, you know, it, it was just really, really slow hunting, but it was still a great trip. So I went back to Virginia and uh, and I'm hunting an absolute giant uh, here in Virginia, and I'm hoping he's still alive. But while I was in North Dakota, he daylighted. And then this was our first week of bow season. He daylighted three times, and he was within 15 yards of my stand. Oh, know? man. And I'm in North Dakota, not seeing very much. But uh, anyway, you know, fast forward on to uh, um, our Ohio trip, went up there, and we're hunting public ground up there. And the temperatures, uh, you know, it was really hot, hunting in short sleeves, and uh, it was very, very dry. The deer just wasn't moving and uh, uh, just wasn't leaving any sign, you know. So, you know, we, we all go to these places with uh, hopes of uh, seeing or killing, you know, a giant that we, you know, that we don't have in our uh, home state or what have you, you know. So, right. you know, we just get up there and just not seeing the sign and stuff. So, uh, you know, I realized that hunting is going to be tough anyway. So, you know, the following week was still showing, you know, hot temperatures. And normally, when you go on an out-of-state hunt, you know, if you're there during November, at least some point in a, a five- to seven-, eight-day uh, trip, you're going to have a few days that's, you know, going to have more seasonable temperatures. But right. they, we, they wasn't forecasting that. So, 
<clears throat> anyway, uh, the second evening, you know, uh, I've scouted, I had already been into this spot. It's actually where I killed that buck last year. Okay. And, uh, uh, I went back into that spot. That was actually the first area that I went into. And, uh, I had put, put a trail camera out and the batteries had went dead and, and I just didn't have the pictures on it that I was hoping to, but I wasn't seeing the sign. So I went to a completely different area, checked it out and then went to another area and checked it out. Uh, that, uh, let's see. By this time, it was like the second or third day. Mm-hmm. And uh, but anyway, I, I went back into the first area, and I noticed there was some fresh scrapes uh, being laid down. So I went up into this thermal hub that I had uh, found back in the, uh, when I shed hunting, and I set up, and, uh, you know, within a, a, an hour or so into the a hunt, I looked up on the side of the hill, up on one of those bedding points, and there was a buck standing there. <laughs> and I... I put my uh, binoculars on him and I thought, ah, he's not really become a buck that I'm looking for. You know, I believe I'll just, you know, give him a pass. And the longer I sat there and, and looked at him and thought about the situation, I thought, you know, if he comes down here, I will probably end up shooting him. Mm-hmm. And, uh, uh, so he did, he came right down there and, uh, uh, gave me a perfect shot and, you know, I shot him and he didn't go 70 yards and piled up. And, you know, I went up there and North Dakota with the hopes of killing a, a giant, you know, and it, it just don't always work out that way, you know, and, and trophy hunting in, in general, it can take a lot of fun out of you hunting, yeah. you know, um, and I think that a lot of other guys can attest to that, uh, you know, so we just really need to keep uh, these things in perspective, you know, not only is trophy hunting, uh, you know, you can take the fun out of it, but a trophy, you know, is different from, you know, region to region. And also the time you have available, Mm -hmm. you know, social media is full of uh, these guys killing these giants and stuff like that, but we don't always know their situation. And uh, so, and, and and also, you know, coming from my perspective, and I know a lot of other guys like Jake Bush and uh, uh, Andy May, uh, a lot of these other guys, you know, we, and it's perceived, but we have a lot of pressure on us because we've got some kind of credibility or notoriety to always produce. Right. And uh, so... I don't know. I'm hoping that I'm hoping yeah. all this is, no, it's, you it, know, it makes sense. It's like, it, it's, it, you still have to get to a point, you know, I think what I appreciated about your hunt and just, you know, I, I forget exactly how you said it, but you, the way I kind of remembered it and I'll paraphrase, was just kind of like, you don't always get what you want, but you get what you need. Like, That's right. You know what I mean? And, like, and to, I'm, yeah. To quote, the rolling, getting, to quote the rolling stones, <laughs> you yep, know what I mean? Yeah. Like, um, and, Go ahead. Uh, but I, I'm building up to uh, that. Um, but, you know, w- w- some of us have certain reputations and, and, and you know, all that that builds up, you know. And, and like I said, it's perceived pressure because, trust me, the guys on social media and stuff that kind of look up to those type of people, they really don't care right. you know, what you kill. That they're more interested in learning from you, yeah. but still, there's that still that that pressure there that you put on yourself, you know. But anyway, and then uh, another side of it, which is 
actually the uh, behind this post, everybody knows that I'm a Christian, you know, mm-hmm. and um, you know, if you're a Christian, uh, God looks at you the same way that we look at our own children mm-hmm. because we are his children, you know, mm-hmm. and um, you know, our children may have certain desires for certain things, but we truly know what uh, they need more than they know what they need mm-hmm. because of the maturity and stuff. But, you know, uh, I may have wanted the Boone and Crockett buck, but, you know, that that buck made me happy. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it had been a tough season uh, up to that point, and uh, I just needed to humble myself and, uh, and realize that, you know, uh, that was a nice deer, yeah. <laughs> you know. Uh, he may have just been a three and a half year old buck that, you know, 115 or 20 inch deer, but, uh, you know what, we're out there to have fun and enjoy it. And, uh, you know, if you trophy hunt, you can go, depending on where you live at and stuff like that, you can go seasons without, Mm -hmm. uh, uh, you know, several seasons without ever harvesting an animal Yeah, and not that harvesting that animal is that important. But that's still that that's why we're there, you know, right. so it still feels good to be able to accomplish something other like that, you know, yeah, and I think it's like it's it's funny, you know that you know it's, I think you're right where it's like folks that are looking to 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 guys like you or Andy or whomever, you know at least my opinion, you know it's like i I wouldn't care what you killed, you know as long as it made you happy, I just enjoy. You know, I'm, I'm fortunate. I have a podcast. So I get to know a lot of guys. I'm just fortunate and, and grateful that I can actually talk to you outside of like the podcast and, and, and just have conversations and texts and talk deer hunting and, and, and stuff like that. Would care less if you killed a 80 inch deer, you know what I mean? Or, or 180 right, inch yep. deer, you know what I mean? Um, because you're a good dude and you're willing to share information with me and, you know, and you're always gracious in doing that. And so I just want more people like, like that. And I want those folks like you and the Andes and guys like that to just, you know, always hunt for themselves. You know what I mean? Because it's really easy, you know, I think to, uh, to get, to get lost in that, you know, and there's, I mean, it's, it's, it blows my mind sometimes. It's like, I hear of people losing friendships over deer, you know what I mean? And it's like, I can't think of something more ridiculous, (laughs) you know what I mean? Then being that mad over something you don't own that's uh, you know what i mean like that's exactly right uh you know the friendships anymore now i haven't always been this way and i will admit that i have always put uh as far as time now i have never put a deer between me and somebody but mm-hmm. i have put my time between uh me and somebody oh, in for other sure. words yeah. you know and and i'm i've been guilty of that but uh anymore uh it's more important uh, to me the friendships that uh i've gained through this sport uh more so than the deer because uh, trust me you'll remember those friends and have more uh good times with them than uh the memories of these bucks that i have on the wall you know um you know i, I you know I, I enjoy you know them on the wall but you know i enjoy the relationships more anymore yeah, anymore, yeah. And chad and i've always said like when he and i've talked about it it's 
you know, he's one, of, he's one of my best friends. And, you know, we always kind of joke about this when we go out on hunting trips together. It's like, you know, cause we'll talk like, you know, Hey, you're going to kill a giant on this trip. You know, we're kind of pumping each other up, getting ready for the trip. You know what I mean? It's like, yes. and then, but at the end of the day, it's like, we always talk about it. It's, you know, if I kill a giant or you kill a giant or whatever I kill or what, and whatever you kill, you and maybe three other people actually care. You know right. what I mean? At the end of the day, That's you and exactly maybe three right. other people are actually even going to remember what I killed. <laughs> you know yep. what I mean? So why do I, why would I ever invest my time, you know, and my energy and worrying about what people might think when they're not going to think anything <laughs> for the That's most exactly part, right. yep. you know? And, uh, if I killed a, a spike and I called Chad and was like, well, I killed, I've shot that doe on Thursday, text Chad a picture. And he was, he was just all kinds of pumped. You know, he was like, yeah. you know what I mean? He's like, heck yeah, dude. He was like, well, cause it was actually the first one with the kayak too. You yeah. know, cause I've been trying to get blood on that kayak for like two years and it just hadn't worked <laughs> out, you know? And, uh, and it finally happened, you know, and it's like, and he was like, heck yeah. He's like kayak trip. It's awesome. And my other buddy was like, dude, it's so sweet. You're getting a kayak and deer out. You know what I mean? It was just, they yeah. were all, they were all jacked up because of what you said earlier, the experience, the adventure right. and doing water access just adds like an element of adventure for me. You know what I mean? It's, right. just, it's outside the norm. And so. And was, it was a goal for you. Yeah. I wanted to, I wanted you to know? put blood on that kayak. I didn't really care That's how right. it happened, but I wanted to put blood on that kayak because I just wanted I, that experience. I, I think that goals are something that every hunter should have, but I don't think that you should let those goals uh, ruin your season or your hunt if you didn't uh, um, accomplish them, you right. know? Right. And, uh, and, and go ahead. So I just want to say, you know, that uh, it, it, keeping your sanity and having fun is way more important. Oh, 100%. 100%. A hundred percent. I couldn't, I couldn't agree more, man. And I think, you know, as hunters, we, we sometimes forget that I've tried to do a better job of keeping that, um, that perspective. Um, I feel like I do a little bit better of a job of it now. Um, and I don't know if maybe it's cause I'm a little older. Um, I, I did start doing jujitsu. Um, and that is, I a, saw that. yeah, that is a humbling sport. Yeah. Um, and and you're if you're if you have any interest in doing it long term, you know, and you're new, um, your ability to have some humility is is going to be the only way you survive the beginning of it, because yep. you are basically everybody's everybody's punching bag for years, yep. you know, until you, you know, gain the requisite skills to compete, you know, effectively. And if you're at a good place, you know, the guy in which I am, the guys all treat you well and. They teach you as they're beating you, you know what I mean? Because they want you to be better because you make it harder for them. So that makes them better, you know? And so everyone's right. there to yep. kind of do the same thing. Doesn't mean you don't get beat. Like I went, I went to open mat tonight uh, before you and I recorded because I'm, I'm traveling for work the rest of this week or part of this week. And so I was going to miss a couple sessions. So I went to open mat tonight and I hate even saying winning or losing because everyone's just there to learn. But out of all the guys I rolled with, I think I rolled probably six or seven rounds. Uh, there was only one guy that I rolled with that I actually was able to submit and control for the, for the match, for the round. Yeah. Every other guy submit me or just controlled me in a way that was like, no doubt, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, and some of them yeah. were like, well beyond me, like purple belts and stuff like that, that are like well beyond my skill set. And they were just, they were playing with me and allowing me to play and have fun and, and try things. And then, yeah. And then be able to kind of work themselves out of it because that was their challenge. 
You know what yeah. I mean? And so it's always good to have people like that to train with. But my point being is that I think since I've started doing that, it's actually helped me have a different perspective on my, on my hunting season. Yeah. Um, I wasn't nearly as, um, I wasn't nearly as, I don't want to say upset or dis- disappointed or have as much anxiety might be one way to say it over not having the type of deer around me that I wanted to have. Yeah. Um, I was just like, that's, this is what the season is. You know, I was like, and, and I just need to adapt and just accept what it is and just continue to work. And if it works and it happens, it'll happen. Um, if not, then it won't, you know, and it's not that's for right. lack of, not for lack of trying. It's just, you know, it's just not in the cards. And it's the first year that I'm actually excited for late season, you know? Yeah. And I was like, maybe that's the silver lining for me. Maybe that's it. Maybe my, maybe this was, you know, this had to happen because I needed to have growth and experience in another area. And now I'm in, which I'm usually not excited about late season. I'm actually excited about late season this year for the first time in, I don't know how long. Awesome. Yeah. You know? I love late season. Yeah. It's uh, it's talking to Jake Bush got me a little fired up about it, you know, cause he yep. actually grew up in that, not in that general area, but you know, North and he, so he hunt where he grew up, he hunted very similar type of stuff. And yeah. so he and I kind of talked offline about it and he was like, Hey, look for this, look for this, look for this. This is how I would hunt it. This is how I've found success in late season up there. He's like, and if you can find these things, he's like, man, it's, I don't want to say fish in a barrel, but he's like, you know, they're going to have very limited uh, resources. And when you find the resource, he was like, it's uh, they're all going to be there, you know, yeah. um, at least in, in, in this area. But man, I want to get back to, you know, you've mentioned, you mentioned thermal hub and we've, uh, we've described these in the past and I, and I know you broke down like kind of like what you look at in terms of thermal hubs, but, but this particular thermal hub that you found, what was the setup for this one? Like how did it all, how did that thermal hub come together? What was kind of dumping into that spot? Well, like this, this thermal hub, it, what it was, it was a, a, um, a hollow that run, uh, the, the mouth of it was, uh, was to the east and it run kind of, uh, Northwest a little bit. And uh, so once you got up into the head of that hollow, it actually split and you had one fork went left and one fork went right. And you, so, mm-hmm. so that created a point right in between. And then you also had little old uh, finger ridges that come off, you know, from the left and the right. Mm-hmm. So you had essentially, you know, uh, let's see, one, two, you had multiple points right in there in that one spot. Mm-hmm. And that main point, up in the middle was actually facing out of the hollow and was facing, you know, kind of like an easterly direction. Okay. So, you know, you, any West Northwest wind is going to be coming across the top of that. Mm-hmm. And, uh, but now this year we had more easterly winds than I can ever remember during the season. I, I, I would agree with that. Yeah. And the yeah. thing was, that was the other thing that was kicking me in the pants all season long was like most of the spots. So the acorns were bad. And so like a lot of the places I thought were going to be good, you know, just weren't panning out. And then most all the spots that I kind of find or that I kind of locate, I specifically find for like south southwest winds, and yep. a few for north northeast. When you when that front rolls in, that you know you want to oh man, I want to be in this spot whenever I get a north or northeast. You know what I mean? Yep. And but majority of my setups are south southwest because that's like eighty percent of the wind you know prevailing wind that I'm going to get around here. Yep. So, yep. yeah, which made a which made for you know an even tougher season. So you know what's on the agenda for this year. 
<laughs> find some east wind find some east wind setups <laughs> yeah yeah you know because uh, at least then i can take advantage because i mean let me ask you a question because i hear guys talk about this sometimes some guys absolutely love an east wind because because it's so rare and that the, it just messes the deer up in terms of like their betting kind of patterns yeah. do, you, do you ever play off of that is that something you pay no, attention to? I, no i don't I, I don't pay attention to it uh to be honest with you, whenever I walk into the woods, on my way in is when I'm deciding where I need to set up. Really? Yes. Now, I say that, you know, I, I'm i going off of, you know, you know, I, I'm just like everybody else. I watch the news, I see, or I look at my uh, Spartan Forge app and I, you know, see which uh, direction the the wind is, you know, being predicted to be blowing. But now I can tell you, and, and I know you know too, and every other hunter does too, just because it says we're going to have a, a west wind, by the time you get into where you're going, it's not always true. Because, mm-hmm. you know, it, depending on the contour of the land, the topography and stuff like that, it can change it a lot. Yeah. And uh, so, you know, you don't always know where you're going to go up a tree until you actually start getting up into where you want to be, you know. Yeah, yeah. Uh, one thing I've taken advantage of this year more than anything, um, started doing it the past two years. I, I know I should have been doing it long before this, um, but I just, I'm not going to make any excuses. I've just been lazy about it. But the past two years, I've made more of an effort um, to do my journaling, right? And yeah. what really has helped me, just because you brought up Spartan Forge, was because when I can drop a pin of a journal pin in, in the app, and I can log my information, it'll pull in like all my GPS information. So it'll give me the prevailing. So I can literally lay down in there. You know, it's like when I drop my GPS pin, it'll say, Hey, today it was overcast. Here's the precip, the humidity, like blah, 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 blah. You know, like every piece yeah. of detail. And then I write in there, uh, Northwest wind, right. Uh, yeah. saw four deer at, at nine o'clock coming from the, uh, coming from the South. Right. Yeah. Et cetera, et cetera. And then I can go back and when I look at it, I can see that like, hey, the prevailing Spartan Forge based on the GPS and all the weather data said it was a, uh, a west wind. But yep. in that spot, it's actually a northwest wind when I get these conditions. Because I think some people forget that even if you go in and you wind map stuff, if you don't have the exact same conditions that you had when you wind mapped it, it may not be the same exact That's kind of exactly wind right. setup. You yep. know, and so that overcast is it getting full sun is it not you know is it a little bit of precip or is it not you know what i mean all that information helps determine what that wind is there and so that's the one thing i've really started using you know the spartan forge app journaling feature for was to kind of is to actually just capture all that so whenever i do make a play at a certain spot if i have very similar weather conditions i know exactly what i'm going to get when i get there right yep you know so that's always kind of a, it takes all the guesswork. I'm telling you, man, I need to dummy proof things. <laughs> like the less thinking I have to do, the, the, the better off I am in that, in that particular moment. But, uh, well, I, th- I think the more you do it and the more experience that you, you get, that you, you do things out of, uh, um, you don't even have to think about it. Yeah. When you're going in, you just automatically start doing things. And I think that's one thing that uh, beginning hunters or, um, have a hard time well not necessarily them but the more veteran hunters uh whenever they're asked a question it's they forget about all that stuff because it's just second nature to Mm -hmm. them 
Mm-hmm. And uh, it's hard. Uh, I know for, from experience, it's hard for me to articulate what I see or what I think a lot of times because it just comes natural to me. It, it's just second nature. You know, I just automatically do it. Yeah. It's a, uh, I remember whenever I, f- when I first um, got to the point to where I didn't any longer have to think about f- like what the thermals were going to do in a spot. Yes. Cause thermals used to screw me up so bad. And yeah. I remember whenever like that light bulb moment happened where I was like, I walked into a spot, I set up and I didn't even think about it. I got in there and when I, once I got set up, I was like, Oh man, what are the thermals doing? I started dropping milkweed. They were doing exactly what I thought they would do. Yeah. And it was just, and I was like, aha, <laughs> that was like a moment where, and it was funny. Cause like from that moment on, you know, my encounters went way up because yeah. now I was able to like truly, you know, cut the wind. I was now cornering the wind on all, like on pretty much every setup where I was giving the deer as much of the wind as I possibly could. And yeah. it was just from that repetitive experience. But man, so this buck dude that you ended up getting in in Ohio, I I call him a trophy cuz I know exactly where you're at and that place that place will break a man. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I mean you can you know, people, when they think about Ohio, they think about high deer numbers and they think about giant whitetails. Now, this place does have some giant whitetails, mm-hmm. but they're, they're few and far between still, mm-hmm. you know, and deer numbers are low. Uh, you can, well, you know, that they was, uh, let's see, they was four of us on that trip. And, uh, you know, it, we just wasn't seeing very many deer, you know, yeah. uh, so I remember my first time there hunting there. I, I did a 10 day hunt. Each day was a dark to dark hunt. Yep. And in 10 days I saw three deer. Yes. You know, and that's just, that's that place, you know, it's like, yep. <laughs> but the allure is, is that, you know, the one that walks, one of those three could be a 180 inch giant that you might not ever see again in your life. And that's exactly right. Yep. You know, and so you, you know, you take the, uh, you take the good with the bad, like, eh, it, that place still haunts me to a degree because I haven't been back in probably two, two, maybe three years. Um, in the last hunt I did there, I hadn't seen a shooter buck on any of the hunts that I that had been there to that point. And there was one big deer that I was kind of after in this one particular area. And I think I busted him out of his bed, like on my way out. Cause I heard him, heard a buck grunting. I told this story before, but whenever I walked out, I thought that deer had left, but he happened to be bedded on top of this ridge as I was leaving. And, and I busted a lone deer out of there and he was grunting at a doe in the morning from that particular spot. And I think it was that deer because it was the right time. Like he would always show up to this one scrape, you know, two years in a row within like a three day window, you know, and it was yeah. within that three day window. And, um, and so I ended up going to another spot and hunting that, uh, you know, whenever after I left there, I went to another spot and I had probably like 125 inch, you know, eight point walk up, you know, broadside within, you know, whatever it was, 25 yards or something like that. And I, and I passed him and I still kick myself for that. <laughs> Man. Yeah. Because that is a place that is hard to hunt and. A deer, any deer in that spot to me is kind of a trophy. Any shooter buck, like a you know, three year old deer or whatever, is a shooter buck in that spot because of just how low the deer numbers are and how hard that place is to hunt. And yes, and so that deer still to this day, I can still see the setup in my mind. I can watch the whole, I can replay the whole thing, and I just and I had time with him too. I probably had him 
in my, in the general area and general vicinity of me within like a 40 yard area of me for probably 15 minutes. Oh yeah. And just, I let him go. And mm. I remember walking out of the woods that night going, well, the plan was I was going to come back. Yeah. And, uh, uh, over Thanksgiving, uh, cause we would be, we'd go back home, which is kind of halfway there for us. We'd do Thanksgiving with my wife's family and I'd drive there to hunt for a couple of days, but then her whole family got COVID and all that stuff. And so we ended up not going back and I ended up not making it back. And so, yeah. so I kicked myself for that. Cause that was, that was a good book. Cause I told Chad, it's like, once I kill a deer there, it's like, I'm never going back. <laughs> yeah, uh, I was like, you'll never see I, me there again once I get one. <laughs> I've got a special love for the place. Uh, you know, I've hunted uh, that area uh, six six different uh, seasons, and I've come home with six bucks. Uh, I know. I can't believe that. Every yeah. time you kill one from there, I text Chad, and I'm like, Nathan did it again. Like, <laughs> he's uh, like, but he's you like, know, I, know. I, I think that. Um, you know, that that type of place is really my wheelhouse, mm-hmm. you know, and and I come from an area that has low deer numbers. I'm used to hunting, you know, it's just like this past week. I hunted in the mountains and I, I have some good deer on camera. Mm-hmm. I hunted that place all last week and I seen 11 deer and only one was a small buck, mm-hmm. you know, so I'm used to those kind of conditions and. I think that, you know, helps me out too, you know, so. Right. Uh, but. Yeah. It's, it's not, it's not your first rodeo in that type those types of conditions. Right. Yeah. yeah. It, there's been plenty of guys I know that have gone there, the, you know, for their first time and it was their only time, you yeah. know, cause they're just not, it's, it's a hard place to hunt. You know, it's not for yeah. the, it's not for the faint of heart. If you're a person who likes to see a lot of deer, it's probably going to be a miserable week for you. Yeah. Um, but man, I want to go to your second buck, man. You get, so you had the homestead buck then after that. Yeah. Which, um, so tell me a little bit about that deer. Well, uh, he's, you know, I only own 12 acres. Mm-hmm. Uh, I do live in farm country, but I am surrounded by large farms that, uh, and, and uh, one of the guys that owns the majority of the property around here, you know, he's a wealthy guy. He lets nobody hunt but himself. And he's just a gun hunter, and most of his property is pretty open. So he he just ri- essentially rides a uh, a UTV around and and shoots bucks from it, you know. Right. So it is very very hard for a deer to make it past two and a half years old here. Well, this summer I had two bucks. That was one of them which I killed. I feel like he was a three year old, but I also had another buck that was four or five here. And, uh, and I posted pictures on my Instagram uh, page there of him back, you know, during the summer in velvet. But anyway, um, I, 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 most years I'll have me a little food plot here and it's mostly, you know, for uh, my wife, if she wants to hunt or something other, and I will hunt a little bit, mm-hmm. but, uh, th- this buck, uh, the, uh, one that I ended up killing, he was uh, right at 21 inches inside, which is a good deer for here. Yeah. And, uh, but, uh, anyway. Uh, I was hoping that my wife would kill him uh, with, a uh, a firearms or I would get him with, uh, uh, my bow. Mm-hmm. Well, it didn't work out that way. Uh, she, uh, I, I was taking her hunting that evening. We seen him. He was, uh, moving around chasing, uh, a couple of those right at dark and she just didn't feel comfortable with the shot. And, uh, so I took advantage of the opportunity and killed him and, uh, he was a really nice deer, but I was not satisfied uh, mm-hmm. with how I killed him. Um, and I know that's probably not what you want to hear, but that's the that's the truth, you know. Right. Uh, 
I was yeah. actually sick over the situation and kind of depressed for several days because I really wanted to uh, kill him with my uh, with my bow, and so that that took that hunt away from me. Mm-hmm. Even though I ended up killing, but you know, in this kind of country here, um, a buck of that caliber, if he's around and I have a firearms, if if I can hunt him, he's a dead deer. Right. Uh, you know, it's just not um a challenge at all right so, and i just kind of felt bad over that situation but it, it doesn't take anything away from the deer you know he's still a nice deer and yeah it's great um, great yeah. great buck but i know you wanted to I, w- I know you wanted to use your stick bow because that's your that's your jam man that's yeah. your when yeah. i when i think of you i think of i think of stick bow i haven't i haven't yeah. transitioned yet it's been on my mind yeah you know um, well I, I can tell you you can do it I, uh, I know, no I know. doubt in my mind that you cannot do it. The, the thing you ever heard the uh, sayings, uh, uh, start right, stay right. Yeah. Uh, well, that applies to uh, traditional archery so much, uh, uh, you know, as much as anything out there, because once you start down that path, if you don't start off right, you're going to create bad habits. And those bad habits are extremely hard to overcome. Mm-hmm. So, so if you, get hooked up with somebody that is successful uh, and a good shot and have them help you get started off right and you'll stay right and you will enjoy it and you'll be successful at it. So, yeah, it's one of those things that's been on my mind. My, uh, so my buddy, AJ, he owns this archery shop called, called Bob and AJ. It's the shop that I usually, that I always go to the buddies of mine. And, yep. uh, when I decide to make the jump, and I got a, a buddy Todd, which I think you you might actually know Todd at least through Instagram. Though Todd, um, from Jersey, he's a he's a big uh, traditional bow guy, and so he's yes. you know, shared some information with me. Um, Jonathan Moreland, uh, he he, yeah. he and I talked about he it. He is a killer, dude. Is he? He is for real. He is a killer, yeah. I, and I love that guy. Like I've only he's ever talked intense. to him. He is man. We I had yeah. him on the podcast one time. And and we'll text message every now and then. Like uh, he and his buddy were coming back from Idaho from hunting elk, and I was out there. I think right before they were out there, and on their way back, they were swinging through Kansas to scout. And so they, he gave me a call to. He was just curious, you know, what area I had been to in the past, and you know, I shared some information with them or whatever. I don't know where exactly where they ended up, but they killed two 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 hammers. His buddy killed just yeah. a freaking slob, and yeah. he killed and he killed a really good deer. Um, but my buddy, uh, AJ at Bob and AJ's, he used to shoot competitively, if I'm not mistaken, and was, and was really good. And there's a couple guys at the shop that, that, uh, that work for him that I believe still shoot, comp- uh, competitively, uh, traditional archery. Yeah. Um, and they're, and they're good. Um, actually my buddy Wilson, he used to try to sh- out shoot them with his, uh, with his compound at, at distance. Like, so they would say you shoot, you know, whatever distance I'm making this up. Cause I don't remember exactly how far it was, but they were right. like, all right, Wilson, you shoot 60 yards with your compound and I'll shoot 30 with my stick bow and yep. we'll see who, who wins. And he would just get smoked by those guys. With <laughs> stick bows. Like, you know what I mean? like they were, they were slick. You know what I mean? Yeah. But, uh, it's been on my mind, man. Cause everybody that I know who does it, um, you know, they've all told me this and I'm sure you'll probably corroborate this, their story, which is, once you do it and you kill your first deer with that, they were like, you will never go back. That's right. Yeah. You know, they said there's just something about like how my thing is, is the reason I would love to do it is because like my, if I could have, and some people might say that this is stupid because it's not like a big, like, you know, killing an elk or a moose or whatever. But 
I would love to shoot a uh, a reputable sample of of the whitetail species in Kansas. So not a giant, but just a good buck. Yeah. From the ground with traditional equipment. Yeah. Like I would love that. Like that to me would be just one of my like. I don't know that it could get much better than that. Right. Um, so that's really the driving force for me wanting to eventually uh, shoot a stick bow. Is I well, want you it. can do it. I promise you can. All right. Well, when I make the transition, man, you're going to be getting a lot of phone calls and text messages. That's from me. fine. Just so <laughs> 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 well, buddy, we've been, we've been at it a little over an hour here, man. I want to be sensitive to your time. Um, uh, let people know where they can find out more about you uh, on Instagram and stuff like that, where they can follow along with you. And you also have that hunt from Ohio coming out on video. I think it drops today as we're recording this yeah, on the Stick it, Boy channel. Or on the, uh, uh, on the Stick Boys. Stick yeah. Boys channel, yeah. Yeah, it's actually, uh, as we speak, it's 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 already dropped this season, I think, around 7.30. So. Nice. Uh, but, uh, yeah, and, and, of course, on Instagram, I'm uh, Mountain Hunter. Um you can I'm easily defined there. So I, I don't have Facebook anymore. Yeah. Yeah. But, that's a, uh, that's just a bad place to hang out anymore. I, I yeah. <laughs> yeah. Nice. Well, everyone check out that video. I know that's what I'm going to do as soon as I jump off of here is going to watch, uh, watch that video. Well, at least once my Steelers start stinking, they're playing Monday night. So I might watch a little bit of that. And once, once they're <laughs> there stinking, once they're stinking real yeah. bad, then I'm going to switch over and watch something that's going to be uplifting, which is, uh, which is Nathan killing deer. Um, buddy, I appreciate you coming on, man. It's always a pleasure talking to you. If I don't talk to you beforehand, um, I'll send you some pictures actually of this deer that I'm trying to kill up North, but if I don't talk okay. to you beforehand, Merry Christmas to you and yours. And, uh, I hope one of these days our schedules work out to where I actually we're able to get together and scout or do something together. Cause I'd Absolutely. really like yep. to get together with you at some point. Okay. Yep. Thanks for having me, old buddy. All right, folks, that is a wrap for today's show. I'd like to thank all of you for listening. If you haven't yet, please head over to iTunes and leave us a five-star rating and be sure to subscribe to the podcast. And while you're at it, head over to YouTube and give us a sub there as well. I'd be super appreciative if you do those couple things for me. And before I shut this thing down, I need to give a big shout out to our partners who continue to help us make this podcast possible. Tethered, Spartan Forge, Exodus, and Skull Brew Coffee Company. And until next time, we'll see y'all. All right, gang, the new Truth merch is in stock at truthfromthestand.com and on YouTube below any of the Truth From The Stand videos. I've got some new hats, beanies, t-shirts, long-sleeve t-shirts, and sweatshirts. There's even a new do-hard-shit hat for those of us who like to embrace micro-dosing adversity. So head to truthfromthestand.com and check out the new gear and use the code TRUTH, T-R-U-T-H, and save yourself some cash on the new gear.